0: Welcome to Breaking the Business Barriers. We are on episode ninety-one. How you doing, JT? What's shaking?
1: I'm good, man. Ninety-one episodes. You've been doing this a while now.
0: Yeah, we yeah we have, and thanks to you, we've we've met a lot of really cool people, and and I'm I'm really excited to uh, introduce our our guest today, which we'll do in a second. But well, let's give VJ Varma a shout out. He was our most recent episode. Really cool guy, business owner. Traveled half the globe to uh, to here to the United States to make uh, make his dreams come true. So uh, VJ, if you're out there listening, double thumbs up. Had a lot of feedback on on your episode. Well, that brings us to our guest Doug Stamen. Excited to have Doug on. He's a business owner, owns a company called In Your Face Apparel. I gotta tell you, I've never asked you this, Doug. As long as I've known you, I don't I don't know how how you uh, found the name for that or what, what it led to. But why don't you let every, everyone know that listens, where can they find you, your business, online, social media, any, any places that you hang out where people can easily find you?
2: Uh, our website is the quickest way to access our company. would would be inyourfaceapparel.com.
0: Right on. Simple enough. I can even figure that or, out.
2: Or, or Doug Stamen um, on LinkedIn.
0: Yep, you're on LinkedIn. I was going to mention that. Gave you some kudos uh, today, as a matter of fact. So, hey, Doug, man, glad to, glad to have you on. Twenty twenty was a trying year for for everyone, and and you shared a story as we were chatting about uh, jumping jumping on the breaking business barriers podcast. And you told me something that was pretty pretty crazy in an awesome awesome way. So why don't we just dive? Why don't we dive into it? First of all, what in your face apparel? How'd you get started? What's it all about? I mean, give everyone an idea of what it is that you do.
2: So um, we're apparel manufacturer. We uh, we're vertical. So in our facility, we do garment decorating, uh, screen printing, dye sublimation, embroidery, uh, heat transfer technology. We do it here as well as all of our distribution. We knit fabrics uh, domestically, and we also do importing we work in Mexico as well. And uh, got started, uh, the main channel of distribution that I chose to, to enter in was the promotional, uh, promotional market. So the promotional market is set up, going B2B, using a distributor to go to the end user. And in, in this situation, the end user would be more corporate clients. It could be a soft drink, uh, adult beverage, could be movie, I was on the distributor side and I had some product that a a customer of mine wanted made and I couldn't find it through the traditional uh, supply channel. Couldn't find a supplier that could make the t-shirts that my customer wanted, which were a little bit more retail now as opposed to promotional product. So I started uh, making t-shirts for one customer and after a couple of years, I, I thought, I did a little research. I thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity to go on the supplier side because as a a distributor, I could not find a supplier that could make that product. And uh, just kind of had an idea, did about six months of research and went to my first trade show as a supplier, put up a 10 by 10 booth um, of samples, not samples that I've ever made, but samples I could make, uh, visiting other manufacturers, other suppliers that I could work with and uh, just kind of pitched my tent, if you will, in a, a, sh- a show in Chicago.
0: Very cool. So and that's that, kind of how I started. It's very cool. No now, you're in college. You're a proud grad of uh, UT, correct? University of Texas? North Texas. North Texas. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Texas. Yeah. Let's just say North. Texas. Yeah.
2: The, go, go Eagles.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Correct, Mundo. Doug, when you were coming out of college, did you have already this – A thought of being in business for yourself or what was that? What was that? We have a lot of listeners that that are young. So we, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs. How did you, how did you really get there? Did you have that idea? Like, man, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to enter this business space, which I know is very competitive, just like most quality businesses are. What, what led you to that?
2: So um, the path was kind of, you know, I was a marketing major at North Texas. Um, which went into that because I didn't know specifically what I wanted to do and uh, went into sales. I quickly figured out that everyone's on straight commission, meaning if you're a salaried person, if you don't produce, they're going to fire you. If you're a commission person, if you don't produce, you're not going to make any money. And I love that part of sales. And um, I went to work for a company at a college. Uh, It was a business forms, if you can remember business forms, printing, uh, distributorship. And I I did that for three to four years and decided it was time to go out and start my own business because I was kind of a brokering deal between our our customers and a manufacturer in that situation. Uh, Didn't work out that well. The partnership that I went into to start my own business did not last more than 18 months. Most Partnerships are very difficult. They don't work. And I found myself uh, starting a business from a dining room table in a house that I had just bought two months earlier, starting from scratch. So I wouldn't say that was planned at all. I kind of fell into that. And with every challenge or every piece of adversity will come an opportunity if you if you let it happen. For and sure.
0: Cool. Let that happen. Very cool. Very cool. JT?
1: So Doug, I'm a uh, marketing major from UNT as well, so <laughs> got a lot in common there. And uh, I felt like when you were describing your decision-making process there, it was very similar to uh, to, to mine at the time. So small world. Uh, I watched a program recently on just uh, how competitive the apparel industry is. Um, you know, to actually make products, uh, you know, locally and um, so I just thought I'd ask you about that as far as, you know, is, is, it, is it tough to survive, you know, with all of the products coming from overseas and, you know, the automation of, you know, um, certain parts of the industry
2: and things like that, or automation as work? So um, my perspective, the way I, I looked at it was I analyzed the opportunity and the opportunity at the time, again, I'm a guy. With no um, no experience in apparel, other than the T-shirts I started to manufacture, I found that the opportunity for margin was going to come from not commodity but more specialized T-shirts, and that was ladies' tees. Tell everyone you can make. I could make and cut and sew at, manufacture domestically a woman's T-shirt and make enough margin to uh, make a business out of that. So I stayed away from basic tees. So I, I identified the product first. That the uh, barriers to entry, from a from a perspective of you know margin, were not there. Okay, so a guy that has no apparel business starts making ladies' t-shirts, ladies' products, ladies' leggings, and things like that. Um, had no experience in that, but I quickly learned uh, how to manufacture how to buy fabric, how to identify what products I could actually go to market with and uh, actually compete with an imported product. So we, we competed on uh basis of an in-stock product not being the right style, an in-stock product not being the right size, an in-stock product not being the right color. Now keep in mind when you're marketing to more of the corporate environment, it's, it's driven by color logo colors so if it's an adult beverage and they're releasing a brand or a new flavor of vodka berry is going to a berry vodka flavor is going to relate to more of a maroon more of a magenta color so you can hit those pantone colors and you can customize so i found the the opportunities uh, that were available within those and and the way to attack those and it actually um, again it was an idea i did the research i dove right in And it it turned out to be a a really um, well-assessed opportunity. I'll put it that way.
1: Very interesting. And you touched on, did you say retail versus promotional? So to where you've kind of got, you can make products, you know, custom products for a company, for their branding versus actually making a product that you design. And
2: it's just for someone, you know, that they pick based on style. Is that, is that correct? Yes, correct. Now I do both. So when I first started, um, the promotional apparel t-shirt, let's call it that that t-shirt that's laying in your seat at a Mavericks game, right? It's the royal blue. It doesn't feel very good. You don't really wear it. Everyone knows it was the free t-shirt. Maybe you sleep in it, maybe you wash your car in it, and a girl gets it. She definitely doesn't wear it. She sleeps in it or whatever. That traditionally was a promotional product t-shirt. Uh, evolution of um, brands that wanted to connect better to their um, perspective uh, demographics. So if you're a a Kia, you have a younger audience more than a Mercedes. So what happens is fashion, you want to make sure people wear the product. So that that gap between promotional and trendy fashionable product was closing. So my whole concept was let's close the gap now and let's give the um, corporate world fashion and brand it to their target audience. Uh, and again, I bring up the automobile industry and uh, that was a, a really successful area for us when we first started as well. So uh, rhinestones, for example, were popular so we Did a lot of rhinestone t-shirts. We did rhinestones of bank of America to Merrill Lynch to uh, you know, Chevrolet, uh, you name it, we were doing it. So that would, would have been more of a fashionable, you know, item. I think that's a great point that you make that, you know, so many
1: promotional, um, t-shirts for example, are, you know, cheap and they're not comfortable and they don't, you know, they don't fit right. And, um, I made some, uh, some t-shirts for my business and it was really important to me to have, you know, one that actually felt good and looked good and, you know, cause otherwise nobody's going to wear it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you
2: know? It's, it's actually counterproductive for a brand to give something to, um, to their customer, potential customer that they wouldn't wear. Now mm-hmm. you get something and you're like, you know, this isn't, this isn't what I want. I want something I want to wear. And they're highly aware of that. And we did, we've done campaigns for Taco Bell, which is huge. All the vintage brands, whether it's Waterburger, Taco Bell, um, I'm trying to think of all the different vintage brands they're real big in apparel and it's really big branding opportunities, especially when they figure out who the demographic is.
0: Doug, I find, I find this absolutely fascinating. You know, here, here's a guy who had no background. I think you may be a, you're, well, I know that you're really humble and without you pushing the buttons and figuring it out and diving deep in there and then putting your sales hat on to, to uh, really, really make that engine run and hum is, is pretty cool. So recently you, you and I had, had spoken and there was a fork in the road in 2020 that none of us saw coming however I think you probably saw it long before I did with with some connections you want to talk about that fork in the road in 2020 Doug I just think it's an amazing story
2: yeah uh, when we were talking I, I think I'm the quote I, I told you you know your customers will take you places that you wouldn't think about going if you just let them do it and some my first customer that I made a t-shirt for um, brought me into the apparel industry. Okay. It took me a little bit of time to analyze that. Uh, You know, you go into, I was thinking of monumental times that we've had in my career. You know, I remember nine 11, remember the great recession. You know, I talked about the automobile market. They stopped buying t-shirts when that happened in 2008, 2009. And you go into strategy, you go into 2020, uh, it started hitting us because I do a lot of importing. And I've been in business, this will be our 18th year in business. So I have been um, building a, a database of customers for over 18 years. And so it, it's a lot, it's a lot 20 to 30,000 customers we've actually done business with. And but our database is even larger than that. But in uh, January of 20 there was this little virus called the you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, that was hitting Wuhan, China. Uh, Wuhan is a, a location of a factory that I actually work with. I have four factories in China. And I was highly uh, sensitive to it because my first concern was I wasn't going to get my product to supply my customers because we do so much importing. And I was watching that. And when they extended Chinese New Year, Uh, I knew that this was going to become a problem for me. And uh, speaking with my wife, I said, this is coming here. You don't understand how big this is going to be. And um, it happened really fast. If you remember in February, the rapid ascension of the the virus, Uh, my first thought was was I have to do something to stay in business. You got to remember with the promotional market, concerts, which we did a lot of, no more. Okay, schools, they're shutting down sales conventions, no product releases, no Uh, movie releases, no. So every almost every existence for our being outside of a few opportunities or a few retailers that we do business with kind of got hit with a a shutdown. Uh, Not knowing what that was going to look like. My first thought was I need to stay in business. I need to be an essential business and to be an essential business. I think masks are where we need to go. And, um, so I was sitting at my, uh, table outside and I said, I, I need to figure out how to sell masks. And so I quickly, I, I, had the contacts overseas and domestic, and I quickly, um, decided I need to get some mask in. Remember, I have the database of customers. So the database of customers, I, I belong to some different Facebook groups for the promotional industry. I bought 10,000 masks. And, um, so I could stay in business and I put a little message out to the industry. Hey, does anyone need disposable masks? And I sold 50,000 in an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and at that point it was kind of like, okay, my assumption was correct. Again, goal one, stay open goal two: keep my employees employed. Okay. Don't lay anyone off. Uh, if you remember, no one knew what was going on. So Quickly, as fast as I could, our factories had the machinery. So I had I had a database of customers who had uh, the civil side. Right, I'm not going medical, although that that approached us as well. I had a um, supply chain set up to manufacture cloth mask and uh, disposable mask, and so I put the two together, and then I went to market. And Brent, I sold millions of masks. Uh, we we sold. So many that we were selling out and we were air freighting in product, we were selling out uh, way in advance. I could have, if I would have had a million masks on the floor, I would have sold them same day. Uh, that was when the mandates came out for face coverings, for cloth masks. And I think I also shared with you that um, some people didn't see it that way. They thought, well, you should be donating masks because, you know, people need them and it's a medical emergency. And I agree that it is a medical emergency and people do need them and um i think i give you my analogy that in a war you know people ramp up and they start producing guns to fight the enemy and this is a war we're fighting against a virus we can't see it but we need to feed our families we need to fight the virus and i talked to a lot of our distributors that were reselling the product and they said i didn't think about it that way And I said, well, you have to think about it that way because we're all in a survival mode financially. No one's buying pens or mugs. People were supplying the corporate customers with face coverings. So we also pivoted over to the uniform piece, which would be um, civil. So that was the cloth. That was decorated cloth mask. So if you go into a store and you see... If you go into a Waterburger restaurant or something, and you see a branded mask, well, they're wearing a mask maybe that we made, or there's a lot of major retailers that we did private labeling for, and a lot from insurance companies to school districts, they couldn't get it fast enough, so we figured that out. I think, and there's a lot of. Are you there?
0: Yep, we we'll see you.
2: There, there's a lot of regulations that shifted on me as well, so. Now I become a medical device or PPP, PPE importer. That's, that's not the same as importing apparel. So the regulations shifted to what I could and couldn't bring in and, and what those uh, regulations were going to be. So I was working about 18 hours a day, seven days a week. We're bringing in uh, the mask. We're importing the mask. I was working with the medical uh, new guidances on all those regulations. Um, and it worked. You know, it worked out really well for our company. And we took advantage of an opportunity and we did really good with it too. And we donated, uh, we were on channel four news. We donated uh, about 15,000 masks to different shelters, homeless shelters, children's hospitals. We donated a lot of product as well. So we did also give the back, give back what we could.
0: Brilliant. And for all of those aspiring entrepreneurs or those that are already in business for themselves, I'm sure you've You've seen many forks in the road that you've had to take, but I just, this is an amazing one and you, you did it quickly and Doug, that is, uh, those who work hard and outwork the challenges, uh, not only, not only survive, but they thrive. So man, that that's pretty amazing. So those listeners out there, please, please understand what was in front of Doug. It was, I mean, as Doug, when you and I first chatted about it, I had goosebumps going, all right, my business is just leveled, and I don't know how long it'll be leveled, and you you care about your employees, and, and you're providing for your family. Amazing, man.
2: I think everyone has this, you have to give yourself, I think, time to process what's going on. I think everyone, um, at least my, my situation, you, you, you take a deep breath, and you kind of take a day or so and you process it. Okay. What am I going to do? What, what am I supposed to do when everything that I've been strategically planning for has stopped? And that's, you know, years and years of building a business. We have a, you know, a decent sized business. I will add to you this. We don't advertise mask anymore. We still take orders, but it's a distraction at this point because we need to be in a recovery mode. Now we need to get back to our core products. We need to work with our customers and we need to convert all of those customers that were new to, to be our customers now for what you know, what we built our business for. And so that's a very sensitive area too is when do you make that shift back and when is the opportunity over? That opportunity started with like a switch. It went on and it went off. So a matter of a week or two of getting our product in, some that we were manufacturing meant that we still have it in our warehouse now. So we missed missed some of those opportunities because uh, it just the, the switch turned off. Everything becomes commoditized
0: at some point incredible jt
2: doug i like the way you
1: you know you pivoted there you saw a threat coming around the corner and you know you 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 know pivoted and uh that you know you ended up being able to succeed even in such a crazy uh crazy environment so and you said again a lot of those masks are custom to where they have logos and they have branding Mm -hmm. and things like that on
2: them so yes i have plenty of samples around here um, most of the volume of revenue came from the branded mask. I got out of the disposable mask almost as quick as I got in when I saw supply catching up that I was there was a higher probability of me having a lot of masks versus making any money or margins on those masks we, we never charged anything more than our normal margins that's that, that's the point I want to make. Um, I got out of those as fast as I could.
0: Multiple pivots in creativity, brilliance, utter brilliance. Doug, as, as, we, uh, as we're we on the backside of the, of the podcast now, we'd we love to be. that that's all serious stuff. And, and I think it's incredible, an incredible story. One of which I think will inspire plenty of others that are either looking to um, own their own business or those maybe that are, are struggling with a, uh, a serious fork in the road due to this last year. All right. I've known you for a long time. You're not always serious. So uh, why don't uh, you give us the lighter side of Doug steam and maybe uh, something that'll crack us all up.
2: Uh, you know, I saw that on the, uh, some of the information you sent me over and I was trying to think of what would I say that would crack you up? <laughs> um, I have to tell you, you know, I talked a little bit about not knowing the apparel business and um, everything being a learning curve. And I, one one sales call kind of sticks out and it's not really personally about me, but it's just a funny experience or a funny situation. Uh, Had a customer in town and he was from out of town. We were making product for Nordstrom's and we were making um, ladies loungewear. So camisoles and um, also one pieces. And um, he was really wanting to look at these lace options, the trim. But he was staying in a hotel, so he had me come up to his hotel room, and we had these ladies' camisoles, and we were sitting there looking at the trim, and I, I just looked at him, and I said, you know, this is really just kind of an awkward situation to be in your hotel room with another guy looking at ladies' trim in, your, in his hotel room. Um, that, that was kind of one of those funny things. You know, as far as me, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm pretty just normal right now. I can't think of anything specific.
0: No worries. That, that does crack me up. I would, uh, I can imagine that scene for sure. <laughs> so yeah. I do, I've got, I've got a question here. Mm-hmm. So I'll give some credit to your beautiful bride with uh, your guys' wonderful family. Did you attract that bride of yours by knowing the touch of, uh, of, uh, female clothing? Is that how, is that how you got her in your nest?
2: Not, not even close. Had no idea. <laughs> nope no, that was so long before i even knew what i was going to be doing so yeah, uh, yeah. Doug, i got t- a question question her? for you about uh t-shirts uh-huh. what is the uh
1: what's the the optimum blend of uh, material for a comfortable you know t-shirt
2: um it depends on what you're going to be doing in it i mean obviously a, a nice uh comb ring spun 100 percent cotton is nice um you know blends of cotton poly are nice heathered t-shirts trend now is heavier weight t-shirts is what's kind of in you know it's going more heavy um but you know kind of like fashion everything's in so if yeah. you're looking for comfort it's going to be whichever cut fits you best and whichever brand you like the best
1: i always have trouble finding just that right size you know it's comfortable but you know it's not huge and it doesn't shrink too much and uh, so it's an ongoing ongoing quest there
0: right <laughs> Hey Doug, we we ask uh, every one of our guests: Is there a book or a podcast or something that you that you either do daily or maybe it's weekly on a routine that you recommend listeners pick up this book, maybe this podcast, maybe maybe this, that, or the other?
2: You know, I I don't listen to much many pod, podcasts. I think I my big thing is always clearing my head, um, and whether that's on a walk and uh, getting my my alone time. Uh, a specific book, you know, that I really enjoyed a lot. I don't know if you've ever read outliers. Yep. And the reason I like it, because when I, when I talked a little bit about a, a customer will take you places that you wouldn't think of and opportunities are there. It's all about our environment and the influences those have on us, whether, wherever you went to school, who your friends are. And I found that there's so many, um, Things that that are in the book that really transfer over into my life, and and I constantly am asking, is this an outlier situation? Is this something that's normal? Or, you know, and and so I I really love that. And then as far as a book that I think every entrepreneur should read multiple times is the E Myth. I don't know if you've read the E Myth. Yep, um, great one. Got some stuff in it, um, and uh, there's a lot of basic fundamental lessons uh, that you can take from that. And, you know, and more importantly on, on the e-myth is not creating a job for yourself, but creating something that works for you. And that would be the, the right, how to scale your business.
0: Well, good, good advice. Great, great story. Before we wrap it up, JT, anything else?
1: Oh, no, I've enjoyed this. Um, uh, Doug, you look like you work out too. Mm. Try, yeah. Nice, nice. Yes. yeah. Something I need to do a little more of. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, right? good. Yeah, yeah. Not as much as I should, but oh. definitely. That's that's both of us. <laughs> well,
0: pouring it in, eighteen hours a day, you know, in a, in a trying year, certainly, and, and running the business, and and I got to say, one of the first things that when you and I talked about the is the fact that you were looking out not just for your family, but the families of those. Of those folks that you employ, and I just you you have a big you have, you have a big and warm heart, and and I'm sure that kept you up at night wondering, gosh, can we can we do that? And you're not just thinking for yourself, so you're thinking for your team. That's pretty incredible, man. Kudos to you. Well, as as we uh, as we do is on the wrap up. JT, glad glad to have you as the co-host as always. Doug Stamen, great advice, great great story, and and folks, you can find. You can find Doug and his business at InYourFaceApparel.com. Pretty easy to find. I can even find that one. So, guys, it is definitely onward and upward. See ya. Thanks, Brent.